What's up, guys, and welcome to episode three of BassCast. Today on the episode, we have my brother, Wes Alexanch. We're going to get into his musical background, his drumming background, and his fuel cell technology background. I think it's very interesting. I think you guys will really like it. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Gosh, man, it's like trivia. Four years, four and a half years. Try to get mine. It was uh, May twenty third, <laughs> May twenty third, twenty fifteen. Married to Angela. Four years. Four years. And you guys got well. How many? You guys have like a few dogs, not you? Any cats? Yeah, we got um, two big dogs, Duke and Maya. A small dog is Yorkie Poo. That's Stella. She's older. Um, and that was Angela's dog before um, we got together. Mm-hmm. And Rambo the cat. Got, got a lot of pets. I love my dog, but these cats are fucking annoying as hell. Dude, yeah, dude, dude, like it always stinks. Like no matter what I do, like I clean the shit out of everything and it still smells. Is your uh, Christmas tree still standing? Yeah. yeah. No, he's been. <laughs> he won't be. He's been doing a lot better. He used to tear down the Christmas tree, but That's sad, right? he's been leaving it alone lately. I just gave him a huge box because I did a, a dishwasher install. I always like to keep the big boxes around. He plays with those. What's your favorite color? What's my favorite color? <laughs> yes. Uh, You're on the spot here. Green. <laughs> I didn't have that written down. Uh, I, yeah, that written down. <laughs> I feel a lot like I'm being here. It's like time you for a job. <laughs> so, like, we, well, we're brothers, so we kind of, and you, we, we've all known each other for a long time, it seems like, but for people that don't yeah, it has know, been a long time, but... for people that don't know, you're the drummer of Fatal Method, Yes. and you've been, well, that's been years, I don't know, mm-hmm. do you know, how many years have I been going on now for? Twelve. Twelve years? Yeah, twelve years, longest running local band. Yeah, I think. That's I've heard of for local guys. It's yeah, the the secret to it is to not take it too seriously and to let people have their freedom when they want it. Yeah. That's Otherwise, you get do. people that are too crazy about doing certain things, and then everyone has different ideas on how it should go. And yep. How'd you get into drums? Uh, actually, my brother Adam got into guitar. I think Tyler got into bass at that same time. Yeah. That I decided to get into really? drumming. Uh, nine? Eight or nine? Wow. And there was a local drum shop, Zampinos, that just recently closed down, unfortunately. But uh, well, if it wouldn't have been for that store, I don't know if I would have really stuck with it as long. Because you took lessons there, right? Yeah, I went there to get a drum, just a beat on or something. It was 10 bucks in the basement. It was a used piece of gear. And they ended up talking to me and my mom into getting drum lessons there. So I did that for four years mainly focusing on just a single snare drum, a little <laughs> bit of bells and xylophone, but ended up leaving leaving uh, Zampinos. I forget exactly why, but then I've still played drums ever since. But you played in marching band for like, what, like a year or something? A year. Well, two, Wait. like one and a half games. <laughs> two games. Funny story about that. Uh, I didn't really get along with my band director too well at Hoover. Well, who did? Uh, I made the snare line on my first year, um, learned all the drum cadences, and then I, I kind of modified the cadences to incorporate some advanced techniques like backsticking. You probably, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Drumline yeah. with Mick Cannon, but he does, he does all kinds of cool uh, tricks in there. And that movie was pretty big a few years earlier, so I kind of got into all that um rudimentary solo techniques uh, for colleges and I modified all the cadences to incorporate those yeah. backsticks <laughs> and cymbals and my band director really didn't like that. Yeah, but you were making it fun. I was, I mean, but I mean, there's there's m- multiple ways to direct a band and his exact style was military, I guess. Um, 
real that strict. Right yeah. for Hoover. <laughs> it's real strict. Um, there's other techniques. I forget what they are, but you know, some bands go out on the field and they dance around with their drums yeah. and swing and it's a lot of jazz and they're having fun. Hoover never did that. It was just strict. You know, keep to your formation. See, that's the kind of stuff. It's like, I understand, like what, why these guys. It's a, it's like, it's a thing. Like you know, it's not broke, so why fix it? Like one of the things, like he does the same thing every year. The same. That's the way mm-hmm. he teaches it. But you know, when somebody comes along and wants to, lack for a better word, enhance it and try to make it fun and. Or and maybe like, if you're just teaching the fundamentals and you know, uh, coordination and group cohesion. That'd be good, but once you go beyond that, you don't want to keep with that because then people just get bored and get burned out on it. Both yeah, the you, audience and the, the musicians playing. You don't want to hold somebody back either. That's what I don't yeah. get. Like, if you see somebody, it's like, you know what, that's not the way I want to do it, but, you know, keep that in your back pocket. That's well, not a big deal. At the same time, though, I was kind of ornery. <laughs> yeah. I was a freshman, <laughs> yeah. and I, was, uh, I kind of had an ego because I was pretty good on drums at the time. And when you're that young, you really don't give a fuck about anything. You just want to... Play, you know, yeah. you want to have fun with your friends, and then, fun I mean, <laughs> school is kind of really not the most important thing. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I wish I would have stuck with it longer. Um, of course, I got made fun of all the time in school, but but I took it. Yeah, but whatever. You know, that's the first thing everyone says when you, and you tell them that you're in a marching band. Is what's a, it's that one saying like, from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This one time at band camp, that's oh, just, that's yeah, yeah. everybody You're band geek. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm band geek. So you did that, but like, I mean, now you kind of like your, what, you like kind of play that progressive type metal type rock kind of sound, but do you, do you, did you start playing that, or did you start playing like, like a jazz or blues, and now do you still play that kind of stuff, or incorporate it into like Fatal Method kind of music? I've kind of always been inspired by heavy metal, I guess. Yeah. You go all the way back to the roots of it, uh, largely because of you and Adam listening to that music got me into it. Uh, One of the first songs I learned on drums was, I think it's Whiplash by Metallica. It's on their 1984 album, Kill 'Em All. Mm -hmm. It's a heavy tom and bass pattern in there that I really liked. That was the first, like, thrashy metal song I learned, and then it just took off from there. Speaking of Whiplash, because the song, did you ever see the movie Whiplash? Uh, that jazz? Yeah. Yeah. Did you like that movie? Yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought that was pretty sweet. It's, I know it's off topic, but it's, like, that's a cool-ass movie. Kind of seems like it shows if more If you're not like a drummer, drummers. like, I know people that aren't drummers would watch that. They probably wouldn't understand a lot of it, so you kind of have to have a music background to... Yeah. Fully yeah. Understand oh, no, yeah, I could see that when you're watching that movie. It's like, they might be talking about certain ways and cadences or timings and stuff and you're like people that have no idea what they're talking about it's like okay i'm gonna turn this off now the yeah. people that are in the music which is a lot of people most i would think a lot of people did understand it uh like music wise what's had the most influence on you I mean, not necessarily your favorite band but one you think that has affected your style the most and your progression as a drummer oh um well if you would ask me like a few years ago i'd have said mike portnoy from dream theater I shaped a lot of my drumming techniques behind uh, his instructional DVDs, and that's what taught me a lot of the advanced techniques. But lately, that's been tapering off. I haven't been following him as much. It's turned more into uh, in a, a pretty big array of drummers uh, ever since YouTube's kind of exploded. Yeah, I can kind of have this really big <laughs> arsenal of... Uh, Lots of really, really, really great drummers. There's almost any. I didn't even know half of them existed. Yeah, yeah all of them might not even be bands. They're just, they're just, you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe drum enthusiasts. They're good drummers, and they're just doing their own thing with their videos and their, yeah. their drumming. Yeah. So, yeah, same with with bass. That's kind of the direction I've gone. Is I've just watched a lot of uh, uh, people who run their own channels, and they they give bass lessons and stuff like that. But it's it's informal, obviously. They're not teaching you, uh, like you know written music or a lot of technical technical theory but it, you know yeah yeah it helps me definitely under, just get the muscle and just just being able to see somebody do it and help talk you through the uh the steps to take to achieve or just, yeah watch people play and you see something you're like wait a minute like what was that and yeah watch a few more times and you just kind of figure it out on your own too but. but the progression that i've taken with my styles ever since kind of getting away from the prog rock stuff is definitely getting uh, faster 
heavier music. I've been I've been trying to learn a lot of advanced techniques for speed and efficiencies uh, to just be able to play uh, my parts for Fatal Method easier because it's exhausting when you're playing upwards of 200 beats per minute, 16th notes for 45 minutes straight. Oh yeah, I remember when we played shows when I was in the band. Like after the shows, you'd think that like you know Danny the singer or whatever or at the time, even Jake that was in the band would be exhausted, but you look over West and West looks like he's about to fall on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> the most physical of the instruments, yeah. It doesn't, but the thing is, it doesn't need to be that way, and that's what I'm learning right now. Um, I'm, I've learned a double stroke uh, technique with my feet, so, I mean, that that alone saves me so, yeah, you're, all uh, of my energy. Your double bass play, because when I heard you play, that's really what stands out to me, is especially your style is the way you do the double bass. Um, when, when did you pick that up, I mean, in your, when you start playing drums? Pretty much immediately. I borrowed a double bass pedal from Zampino's to play the first talent show. Um, and ever since then, I kind of saved up money to buy it. I've always so used double bass. Since then, you just like that, yeah, the double bass stuff. Some people shun it because it's, I don't know, it's not sticking to the traditional roots of drumming. But you got a left foot, why not use it? But, uh... See, that's kind of like, um, like you're saying, you're trying to not exhaust yourself. So it's kind of like you're learning to play drums. Like it'd be like if you ran a marathon. Like you gotta pace yourself, but still stay on that. Like you want to have, like, say, an eight-minute mile. It's nothing I could do, but like you still, you're trying to pace yourself for that. Yeah, and it's just, and it's not necessarily even just pacing myself. It's just being. It's it's honestly just utilizing more muscles to perform more hits in a shorter period of time. Wow. So it'd be like yourself. if you compared it to a, a marathon or a, or a one mile sprint or whatever, yeah, hundred yard dash, it would be like learning how to take two steps in one step. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because it, it's it, it's called the heel toe technique. So I'm using my heel to perform the first hit and then my toe to perform the second hit, and it happens really fast, right and left together. So it's almost like. You're still doing double, like the double bass, like the regular sound, but you're kind of just. It using still the sounds, more. yeah. It still sounds like it, but it sounds actually even better once, once you get up to speed with it. Um, just because of that, that motion, that technique. Uh, a lot of times when you're doing single strokes and you're going as fast as you can, your feet get off time from each other yeah. and it really falls apart. But with double stroke technique at the elevated tempos. Because of the the technique itself, almost plays for you. Um, it's really weird. It's hard to explain. But ever since I've learned it, it's been like having a just a muscle memory yeah. about it too, huh? Oh, that's all the technique is. You have to learn it really, really slow, and get the feeling down. I I I've been practicing a technique for years and years and years now, and it hasn't been until this year I've really started to dial it in. It's just like anything. Practice as much as you can, and you'll just get better with time. Yeah. What uh, what gear do you play through? Gear do I play through? Yeah. I play on, I guess. I'm thinking in terms of bass. Well, yeah, when you said that, I was thinking, well, I use the bass. Yeah, that's kind of what said. Just to amplify so the triggers that are on my bass. Um, Symbols, your but it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of that technique you have to have. Well, I shouldn't say you have to have, but it makes it world like it makes it so much easier to have better gear. And the uh, double bass pedal I've been using for the last two, three years has been the Axis Percussion pedal, which they're very expensive. I've managed to buy one used, half price was like four hundred dollars. Jesus. Yeah, but it's it's made the uh, just playing at speed way easier it's direct drive pedal uh you can increase the spring tension an insane amount oh, and it's also a long board pedal so you can have your whole foot up on the pedal to be able to play oh uh, like yeah that's what you mean oh but that um that's that's really helpful with that other gear i use is uh, i have a pearl master studio seven piece drum set it's in the midnight fade color. Oh, it's nice. actually, I didn't realize this until uh, was a, about a year ago. I was searching for a snare, a matching snare drum to go on my drum set. Um, and I just went to eBay and I typed in purple pearl snare and I found this drum that it matched it perfectly. And it happened to be Virgil Donati's drum that his drum tech was selling out in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. His, his, his actual drum, it was custom made for him. It was called a Sapronino snare. 
really little. Um, I ended up picking that up from him though. I thought that was pretty neat. So that's now uh, on my kit. I don't use it a whole lot for Fatal Method, but uh, that's there. What kind of symbols do you like to use? For the most part, I've always played Sabians and Zildjans, just because oh, yes, yes. I could find them for a decent price. It's mostly what I see uh, people playing. But there's yeah. there's so many. The list is endless with symbols. I just basically try to get a good one for a good price and then go do my best to not break it. Yeah, <laughs> because it's, drumming is such an expensive hobby. I mean, just one crash symbol, a decent one, you're looking at probably... Two hundred oh, to three hundred dollars. I've seen you pretty pissed one time. I can't remember exactly <laughs> one, but I remember it was after a show, and it was like I think midway somehow during the show one like cracked or something. Just uh, and you were pissed after the show. <laughs> you just buy all uh, uh, Wuhan Chinas. There you go. That's what I do. No, I do that. I buy. They're called I think World Percussion or something. It's like this off brand that I found at Guitar Center. Same thing as a Wuhan, same exact sound. It's a real nasty, loud, trashy. That's the best. The sound. best Chinas are the cheapest ones, I think. They really are. They yeah. sound great. Uh, actually, I've heard Neil, the, the really nice Zildjian Chinas, and it's just like they're trying to make them sound really nice and crisp. It's like, no, it's a China. I think, like, trashy uh, trash can lid, you know? It's the, I think it was Neil Pert from Rush actually um, signed with Sabian. So they had all Sabian symbols. But he loved the Wuhan China, the cheap, yeah, nasty yeah, yeah. Wuhan China. Yep. So they actually designed his own China to kind of mimic those effects. And I think that's part of his Paragon um, signature symbol set that you can buy. Amazing. I've always wanted it. He crashes and ride and one cheap China. It's like, yeah, it's like $2,000 for that set of symbols. Which, what's your favorite symbol? If you had to pick one, it's just your favorite type of symbol. Jeez. Uh, um... Uh, I don't know. I get. I'd have to say a crash, just because I play the crash the most. Being in a rock and metal band. Yeah, seems like that's the most. You can. They're real versatile too. You can get a lot of different sounds from it. You can even some of them. You can even rock out as like a ride symbol. Yeah, the they metal. have. I've seen those like ride crashes where it's like it doesn't sound great as either a ride or a <laughs> crash, but you can make both work on it. Like, yeah. I guess maybe if you're just starting on drums or something, just wanna. Yeah, I've, uh, I've personally never used those because I agree with you. It doesn't really you're getting the worst you. of both worlds, you know. Yeah, uh, I I, pers I really like rides. Just a really well built, sweet ride. Just some of that, you know. And the bells on them, you know, they have that huge yeah. bell. And rides can get really expensive. It, my ride symbol on my drum set's actually the first ride I ever bought. I still play it. It's just a Sabian B8 Pro. It's like this low. Low line uh, ride symbol I got. I was actually in fifth grade. I was t 11 years old shortly after I started <laughs> drumming. Still got it. It's got some uh, rust, some oxidation on the bottom side of it. But you still use it though when you play shows and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You usually don't hear stuff you, like that. Yeah, no. That's lasted a long time. That's a long. Yeah. I've it's wanted to buy a new action. one, but I just can't. I can't stomach the price of a, a nice ride. Yeah, yeah. Looking at so five hundred. Some of the nicest ones I've seen. So you play them, they sound like they're, they're just magic coming out of them. But yeah, with the, the bronze and the alloy mixture in them, it's just. Just to expense no one ever gonna have cheap symbols. A lot of them sounding cheap, you know. It's oh, it's like it's an art form, really making the symbols. Yeah, if you I, if you ever watch the videos on how they make them. Um, it's really skilled craftsmen that are uh -huh. in there. They're, a lot of them are hand hammered, or they spin right, around right. and, and hit like them. Right, a blacksmith, but you're specializing and in the And they symbols. tap them and listen to the sound and hit it again, and then... Yeah, in fact, what, uh, I, remember, I can't remember if it's Zildjian or Sabian, but they're like the oldest one. I think it's Zildjian. It's the oldest in the world. They're Turkish. Oh, geez. They are Turkish. I know that. Yeah, but I think they may be the oldest uh, running symbol company in the world. It wouldn't. Right it definitely that. wouldn't shock me if that was the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. They go way back. What are, because I don't even know, but I'm sure a lot of people don't know, what are symbols primarily made out of? Well, there's lots of different um, alloys. A lot of it's like a bronze, um, tin, I think, maybe. I don't know if there's copper. So sometimes, like, I see, because I saw Zildjian, they had like a, a copper series where they had like a, a big copper mix in their, uh, their symbols. And they actually, they looked like, you know. They look copper, and I'm sure they oxidize more than, say, Probably, uh, more yeah. bronze mixture in it. Hmm. But, yeah, they, 
a lot of the companies have that's all proprietary information because as oh. soon as if somebody finds right. out what their composition is, they're going to they're gonna mimic it. it. Yeah, and a lot of the composition. I'm sure they have patents on it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the KFC recipe. Nobody really knows. Maybe it's best if we don't. <laughs> yeah, it's probably best. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, uh, let's change gears a little bit. Um, so one of the things that I know about you and that I don't know shit on is you went to school for fuel cell technology. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yes, fuel cell technology. So <laughs> for people, especially me and people that don't really know, what does that mean? What is that? Okay, so fuel cell is really not complicated. A lot of people get caught up in the... the the terminology and the vocabulary it's simply to put it it's just like a battery except you continuously supply it fuel source as opposed to everything's contained all your reactants being contained within cells and you have a catalyst or a membrane mm -hmm. that's essentially how a battery operates um, and the reaction takes place and you get uh, power off of that a fuel cell you're just you know you pipe in your gas or your fuel whatever it is uh, and get your power out and you you do have some exhaust because you're you're running fuel yeah. through it but it operates at much higher levels of efficiency um and no. it's a lot cleaner technology than, so that's not uh, it's not necessarily combustion. like what would you call it like self-sustaining like it doesn't like run itself does it like you you still have to have fuel for it somehow yeah you have to you know it needs fuel it needs a constant supply of fuel what kind of like fuel is that kind of that they use for it? Well, there's. Uh, I mean, it's not like you're going to the gas station getting gas. No, um, for the for the most part, the active component would be hydrogen. Okay. Uh, from most of them, but you can get hydrogen from a lot of different fuel sources by reforming it. So natural gas is a huge one right now for fuel cells. That's what we did uh, at Rolls Royce and LG. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other uh, fuels could be like propane, um, JP8 jet fuel. That's okay. for like military applications. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a few others I'm not thinking of at the moment, but uh, anything that's a hydrocarbon really that you can reform. To, to pull out the hydrogen and carbon dioxide. And the other active component would be oxygen. So you're just blowing air across the fuel cell. So what it's essentially doing is what I should ex explain in the beginning. Uh, the hydrogen is going in and reacting with the oxygen on the other side of the cell. So it's producing water. And through that process yeah. is releasing electricity. So your byproducts are like water, um, carbon dioxide, and that's a lot of it. There's some other smaller, uh, heavier hydrocarbons, I think, as well. But So what are the advantages of a hydrogen fuel cell versus a conventional fossil fuel? Well, for one, you could just say, it, you know, it's cleaner. And it's more efficient. Uh, like an uh, internal combustion engine, I think those primarily operate between 20 and 30% efficiency. Um, our, f our fuel cell system that we were running a couple years ago at LG was upwards of 60% efficiency. That's, you know, fuel in, power out. Um, oh, um, another huge advantage to it, too, is for, uh, like, your remote power applications where... You have a valve station that's you know miles and miles and miles away from civilization uh, mm -hmm. that needs a constant supply of power in order to do any type of switching that needs to do to maintain um, oil lines and fuel lines so that's one great thing about them is you can just pipe pipe in your natural gas from the earth and get your power right there so an application for that could be like in a third world country say they need I don't know, some type of power. but So that's going to, it would be easier to put something like that in and they're going to get longer lasting out of it? Well, yeah, ideally, um, the ultimate end goal for anyone is to save uh, save money over time. Yeah. But a lot of people also just want it for uh, reliability. You know, they want a basic, they want to plug it in, start it up, and 
get power and they just they don't want to mess with it anymore and a lot of other competitor technologies are like thermoelectric generators um, sterling engine they operate real low efficiencies and they also require uh, a lot of maintenance to upkeep them oh yeah and yeah that's a big factor it's uh upkeep even if the maintenance isn't really that intensive if these systems are really far away and they're hard to get to you have to pay someone to to get to those. So right, you, right. You know, if it's a like a helicopter access only, you yeah, you're paying you're for a remote or third world applications. Yeah, so it might be be good. Um, where uh, see like you know in everyday society where you got you have like the gas station and the dealership that fixes your car or whatever. I could see you know like maybe more more technical systems being preferred. So do you see uh you see this overtaking uh. In most conventional things, like you know, just cars and trucks, uh, most transportation, do you see fuel cells overtaking uh, gasoline, or do you think maybe maybe electricity or like pure electric cars will be the thing of the future? Or? Uh, that's hard to say. Um, I think if bat- battery technology keeps progressing the way it is, um, electric is the way to go. But how you obtain the electric could be done through fuel cells. So you have a stationary plant that charges your electric car that uses batteries. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you will see batteries go hand in hand with the fuel cell system. And a lot, it can mm-hmm. be to buffer the, uh, the power to have a cleaner signal or uh, you're getting your power from your batteries, but you're just constantly recharging your batteries. Kind of like hybrids are now. So, so, yeah. so with uh, gasoline, you're placing that with uh, the fuel cell technology. Exactly. Um, as far as it, you know, fuel cell vehicles making it big in America, I don't see that happening in the near-term future, but uh, in China, I know there's a huge push right now because of all the uh, air pollutants. Really, how bad yeah, their air so quality much coal is. being burned there. Like just... when I first joined up on LinkedIn after I lost my job, um, I got so many headhunters from China trying to get me to go up there to do anything oh, with fuel cells because I had that on my resume. Yeah, and at least it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that do, at least around here. I mean, you don't hear many people talk about it too much but like if you go online it's just like endless but yeah yeah it's what's great though is locally um sarda has uh signed with some company to lease their fuel cell systems and sarda buses so you'll see those driving around it says hydrogen fuel huh, cell real yeah, big on the side one, yeah. um that's good because for transit you know if anything may help uh make that cheaper for people who in need of it so yeah so it's good when you can help people I yeah. see a, a lot more application with stationary power. Maybe not much in vehicles, but if you got systems running. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes more sense. I mean, especially in, like, these big cities. I mean, there's millions of people. <laughs> well, <laughs> and how the much cars, too. you got to make them fairly compact. And realistically, you know, it's got to be transports. You know, the car wrecks is a, is a safe, I don't know, you know, with the... How, you know, yeah, a lot of people think, you know, if you have a... To, not like it's going to be a nuclear bomb or anything, it's a whole different thing, but... Uh, yeah, actually, know. there are some advantages to having a hydrogen leak as opposed to, like, a gas leak. With gas, a liquid mm-hmm. fuel, it spills onto the ground and goes everywhere, and yeah. then your, your ignition shorts hits it, and it just... Yeah. It lights up. Um, if you have a hydrogen leak, as long as the leak isn't contained to anything, if it's just an atmosphere it rises at like 40 miles an hour in, in our atmosphere because it's, it's much lighter. It's the lightest, yeah. It's much lighter. It is lighter, lighter, lighter than helium. They actually yeah, so they, uh, put that in Zeppelins and blimps, which why you would put a flammable gas <laughs> in Hindenburg? <laughs> well, mostly at the times, uh, political reasons, the United States had most control of uh, helium and production of that in Germany. It's, I guess kind of even going to the politics of it, it's kind of why fuels will work the way they do today. It's not always, you know, matter oh, of practicality. There's yeah, I think I think a lot of them. a lot of what we have today is strictly due to politics alone. Right. I mean, they they all have agendas and yeah, they all want to make yeah. money. That's, so. that's a whole topic of itself. Really. Yeah, we don't need to. Go down that <laughs> yeah, way. but it is what it is. Um, so so like you know we're like we talk about a couple times on the podcast how we're. Like we're pretty environmentally friendly, like people. Like we talk about outdoors a lot and everything like that. So, fuel cell essentially would be a, would it be a very environmentally friendly type of source? I guess you could say. Oh, definitely. Yeah, as compared to any of the other technology that exists today. Yeah, I mean, like especially right now, they're talking. You know, everything's about greenhouse gases and the atmosphere and 
you know, our planet's dying, whether you believe it or not, whatever. But so that's apparently, well, it, it should help with at least slow that stuff down because you're not putting as much crap up into the sky. I guess. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know a lot but about that's, it. But. You're, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, which we should be trying to do anything we can right now to minimize our carbon yeah, footprint, which, yeah. which is nice. You know, a lot but of the thing is, you know, the Earth does a lot of its own um, emissions. You know, it, yeah. volcanoes. One volcano goes off, man. It's, yeah, there's one recently in New Zealand. I think, uh, if I remember right, eight people died from it. The island, yeah, yeah, that just happened. Didn't yeah, it? yeah, so yeah. But no, it's uh, interesting you brought that up though, because I yeah, last... you mentioned it. That there's a uh, I, I don't know much about, it, but just in the reaction of CO2 is one of the byproducts from it. Uh, I'm I'm taking it that it puts out less CO2 than say uh, traditional combustion with um, uh, gasoline. If you're if you're apples to apples with your power output, yeah, um, I couldn't answer that. I could I would probably assume yeah, um, but I don't know the exact numbers on that but i it's uh it's interesting though you started talking about the fuel cells and stuff because my last day i just quit my job i had for the bulk of this year as a engineering technician for a motor company yeah which was interesting work but it wasn't really what i wanted to do ever since i graduated high school it's always been strictly fuel cells so for 10 years i've been doing all fuel cell research yeah um, and, then, and then what happened with that company with Medec, the uh, motor company, the one, the one you're before, the one you just leave, left now, so the, your previous job, uh, LG and Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were doing incredible. We had just built our uh, our huge. Um, it was our first. It was Generation Zero. Gen Zero is what we called it. It was it was going to be our first marketable unit, and it was a 250 kilowatt stationary power system. It was about the size of a semi truck, so oh. maybe fifty three feet or something. And you guys built that? We built the whole thing, and it looked it looked incredible. It ran inc what the most amazing part was. It ran incredible. This was yeah. our first test that we turned on, and it was really taken off, and it was performing well. We were powering like two, over two hundred houses locally because we had we were connected to the grid. Oh wow! We were doing incredible. Um, and then everything went dark one day. They froze purchasing, and uh, everyone started getting some hints that we might be shutting down because they were having some big meetings over in South Korea uh, in the LG headquarters. Um, and just it was about a year ago, actually, December tenth, twenty eighteen. Today's the fifteenth. Was the day that they announced we were closing down. And they laid off. Over a hundred. So it's just you went to work one day and then that was it. You went yeah. And they said we're shutting down and then you were gone the next day. Yeah. Well, I personally wasn't gone um, because I got very last moment they added me to a retainee group. It was a real small group of us that stuck around to see or look over the, or make sure things were getting packed up properly. Um, things were being sold. Our overall goal was to get. The company back as much money as possible. So are they selling this to other type of fuel cell companies, or just other no. companies needed that specific no, product? They, I don't know. Like well, the stuff you said you were helping sell, they were selling off. Oh well, yeah, we tried to sell stuff to other fuel cell companies, but that didn't really happen. We mainly sold it to like ceramics huh, manufacturers. Hmm. Uh, it was it was really sad because we literally threw away. Oh, your research for millions much. and millions of dollars. Well, yeah, we're talking about that is like, you know, you're, you, that's not uncommon, you know, stuff like that, but it's usually when, you know, you're, you're have these projects and nothing comes from them and then it's okay, well, this is going nowhere, end it, but you guys were obviously being successful. Not just that, but it sounds like you kind of went beyond what you expected even, so. So I think a lot of it, if you really want to get into it, I think a lot of it has to do with LG's as a, a parent company was looking at their financial books and they were bleeding pretty bad from a few different areas and obviously they're profit driven so they uh yeah i see yeah it's, if, uh, I, from what i heard i saw i read one news article a while back it was something about the lg mobile phone lg electronics mobile devices were tanking um, they were losing billions billions of dollars so that might have had something to do with it but at that point you know i'm speculating i don't know 
That's a major company. They got a lot of different. But products. what I do know is we were doing fantastic, and it came out of the blue. And yeah, it took absolutely. everyone by surprise. Um, but luckily, uh, I maintained real close connections with a few of the guys I worked with there, and they uh, pulled together the resources and actually purchased a company from Boston, Massachusetts. Oh called, wow! Yeah, called uh, Atrix Energy, and they do smaller power systems. Uh, like for the oil oil lines that I was talking about earlier, yeah. uh, remote systems. Um, they actually just finished moving all the stuff over here and asked me to join with their team. So I'm going to be starting there in sometime in January or February. So you're going to be going back to more of your wheelhouse, per se. Yeah. Um, with, uh, there's like 10, 10 or so people. Um, all of us... We're from LG. So you already know them a lot of the yeah, I know them all. Really smart group of people. Um, so that's why I have a lot of faith that we'll be able to take this company and turn it into what it should have been. That's great though. At least you kind of get to get back with all the guys you did all that work for. And oh yeah, it's like oh, it's it really like, it sounds like you've got all the groundwork laid and everything already. You know, it's it is already there. So all we have to do is take our existing knowledge of how fuel cells operate and apply it, and we could. We already have a yeah. list of I don't know, improvements. patent-wise or how, you know, the legal, legality of it is, but build something similar to you had going before. Take it to someone who will do something with it, you know? Yeah. So the thing is, it's a, it's a lot different of a system at the same time. Uh, it's a lot simpler. It's, it's a lot smaller, too. So we can't, you know, we won't be able to take a lot of that stuff we used previously, but we can apply what we just know about the systems and what makes them work better and use that. But it's it's going to be real fun. It's going to be really challenging, um, but real rewarding, too, at the that's same time. That's what you want, you know? You don't it's, want a job that's just you go, and then you do the same thing every day. Yeah. It just sucks. I mean... In my job, it's always something different for the most part every day. So it actually is. Well, you say it's rewarding. Um, I'm not like like what you're doing. You're building things. I mean, ever since I knew you as a kid, you were building. Who knows? You were just getting <laughs> some shit and putting it together. That's uh, yeah. That's what I've always loved doing. Just uh, figuring out how things work and uh, making it happen. That's kind well, of that's... what everyone relies on me for. My jobs that I've had. Hasn't failed me yet. <laughs> Must yeah. be doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the times I doubt myself, but hey, getting things done though. So like, it's when, paying off. Whenever you do, I guess no, you're not your new job yet, but like, uh, did that interfere a lot with you with the band, like trying to write new music or or practice more, or play shows? Not so much. I mean, work has always affected shows because it. Any if you get a gig during the week, it's hell. Uh, if you try to not take any time off or because right, yeah, you don't yeah. get home till really late. And touring and stuff. Do you ever want to do like a mini tour? Yeah. Well, <laughs> tours are just off limits because none of us are gonna do that at this point in our lives. Um, but no, it, it really never affected work. One time, uh, they needed me to go to England and. I, we did have a show that month, so I told them, look, I can go for a week, but I need to come back, and they were flexible. They were cool about it, so they let me go for a week, come back for a week, play my gig in the middle of the week, and then went back to England for another <laughs> week. a lot of traveling. <laughs> At the time, I thought it was going to be nice, because I'd have a week, you know, home in between it all, yeah. but, um, yeah, it was hell, because I was flying to and from England every other week, or every, no, it was every weekend for a month. And it's it's not a long plane ride. It's seven hours roughly, but you know, if the moment you you travel to the airport to the moment you get to your house, it's sixteen, right, 16 hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just traveling's pretty exhausting. I know. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's not so bad if if your plane's empty, <laughs> so you can lay down, you can be get comfortable. But if you have yeah. a full plane, it's it's complete hell. <laughs> so. How was England over there? Like, what what were you doing? Like, were you doing stuff like you were doing here with the fuel cell stuff, or or what? And then like, what did you do while you were there? Like, did you enjoy it? So they bit? needed, yeah, they needed me to go over there um, because basically everyone else was way too busy with their current um, tasks. 
Uh, so they needed a couple guys to go over there just to do a few things with one of the tests that they were setting up. So they, they picked me and another guy, um, went over there and overall it was, it was really cool. Uh, my impressions of England, uh, a lot of it reminded me of America in the same way. It's a lot of rolling greens. Okay. Um, I was lucky the when I was there, it was like 75 and sunny okay. for the most part. Um, but where we reported to uh, the Rolls-Royce campus that's in Derby, England, and that was really mm -hmm. cool because it was a huge, huge site. And they do a lot of, they develop jet engines. They don't do the vehicles anymore. They sold their name okay. to someone else to continue building the cars. So they're, they're doing jet engines and stuff. And a small little piece of them was in fuel cells. Oh. And that's why I had gone over there, but... I was able to go to their research uh, institute or learning center. I forget what it was. It was, it was a museum that was only for employees. So I got to walk around and see all the different jet engines they built over the years. I got to see uh, a Silver Ghost, which was a car from the early 1900s. It's recently sold for like $30 million, I think. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Really cool. Um, and they treat you real well over there because if you're an American in Derby, Everyone already knows you work for Rolls Royce, so you get like, special discounts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it kind of sucked at the same reason. time because a lot of their stuff closes really early over there, five six p.m. And I was working second shift, getting off at ten thirty. Most of the places are closed down. People are people are in yeah. for the night. Um, so, but there was one pub that was open real late. I guess that's uh, another really cool thing about England is. An old building over there is compared to an old building over here. It's like oh, a difference yeah, of 800 yeah. years. Right. right. Well, here it's not, it's not even just, well, you got to factor in uh, half the country is in civil war, or a new country, and then at that, you know, we're in civil war. A lot of even things that might have been from the you know, early history of uh, American colonialism was lost to that, and then uh, we're just not as old as Britain is, you know, and even today, the way we build houses, we build cheap as you can we don't expect them to last long and yeah. down there they, they, they wouldn't think twice about taking like you said a several hundred year old building and just renovating it and yeah. keeping it going so you get pubs and spouts oh, and such it's a real, thick history it's, it's real just, cool to walk into like a, a six seven hundred year old pub and the doorways are really little and you're walking on stones <laughs> that are yeah. pressed into the dirt and yeah. all the seats are little well on the doorway and the seats uh People back then, they were just, they're smaller than we are now. You don't yeah, think of it, but like we're huge now. We're you know, a lot of them were, people are getting bigger too. So yeah, that's something you don't think about. Is just see in a few hundred years, people just our physiology's changed. Uh, like who are still people, but you know, just we're gotten bigger. You know, food's more available than it's ever been. And yeah, it's it's really surreal. Your first time, yeah, experiencing that's, that. That's cool. Uh, on topic of I guess uh, world history and uh, fuel cell slash batteries. Have you heard of the Baghdad batteries before? No. You know what they are? Um, they're a, uh, no ton about it, but uh, they're a Baghdad battery. They're simple. It was a simple, almost like a clay pot, like or a vessel, um, with a let's see here, a ceramic pot with a tube of copper and a rod of iron. Okay. And they were found in uh, Kajut or Rabu, Iraq, if that's pronounced like that. Um, and they're dated apparently to uh, 150 BC, and they're not entirely sure if these things are batteries or not, but they have the basic components of what a simple battery would be, and they've even run tests on them, yeah, um, paralleling so them to see if uh, they could provide power, and they do. And they what's just the fluid? What's the reactant? Uh, I, Does it specify? Well, if they're pulling power off it, of, an, of a stored... I'm guessing, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm, or it's been a while since I've seen something on it, but I imagine what, what they were saying was it was uh, water with maybe some sort of citric acid in it or something. Yeah, it had to be been, some type of it. would have been available to the, you know, the region and the people back then. It's kind of like the most simplified, um, like, um, flooded lead acid yeah, battery. Yeah, I mean, it's not arguable that, that they can function as a battery, but they're just not sure if they were intended to be built as that, and if they were, what were they powering? Uh yeah, that'd be interesting. To Some, yeah, yeah. If you just want to go into ancient fuel cells, yeah. well, this is this yeah. is the oldest one they they know of. Uh, told you, aliens are real. <laughs> well, this is I mean, this is simple though. This isn't uh, we're not talking. They came down and made this <laughs> the modern fuel. This is just uh, you know, your proto battery, if you will. Yeah, it uh, sounds more like a battery. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I was curious if you heard of that. 
no, the, read about before. If we're on the history of fuel cells, it was Robin Robert uh, Grove, I think his name was William Robert Grove, maybe eighteen. I want to say eighteen sixty three invented the first fuel cell. That's also the same year the Civil Wars ended, started. Is that what year? Eighteen sixty three. Uh, that name, that year is ringing a bell. Pretty close. I saw. I might I think, be. I think my, Civil War is a little few years later. Uh, I think I'm just getting my dates mixed up. I don't know. I didn't pay attention in school. But he's the. That's the first documented. So who knows what's what happened? Previous. Uh, eighteen sixty one. Yeah, yeah. So it was during that time oh, okay. period. Yeah, close. A lot of stuff came out. Uh, technology came out then. It's interesting how with uh, <coughs> the War. Um, you get so many military technologies into becoming civilian technologies. Uh, same with like space exploration. Too. All the yeah, all, well, all the government funding get dumped into one thing and one thing other. Yeah, and yeah, and then from that you get all these little spinoffs or just you know, just, or it just ends up being more practical for everyday use than it would a military application too. So. Mm -hmm. So you said in like China, they're really, really going farther with the fuel cell stuff. Fuel but cell around vehicles. Here, does it seem like it's regressing? Oh, no, it's definitely still growing. Okay. Uh, LG leaving the state was definitely a big hit for uh, for Ohio. Oh, okay. But there's definitely still hope. There's a lot of other companies that support fuel cells. Um, they don't develop them. But now we just brought that one from Boston or from oh. somewhere in Massachusetts over here. So, so it, it's, it's definitely still there. It, it's, it's really tough. Uh, definitely a really tough field, though. You have to... Get a lot of funding for it. Um, Any science, yeah. that's kind of the... Yeah, anything yeah, research-based. Yeah, because eventually they want to know, how is this going to make me money someday, you know? Yeah. Everybody just wants to make money, I mean. Mm -hmm. right, that's, Why would yeah, you invest in something? All economics, so. Yeah, that's kind of science. It's, you know, making the case that it will, you know, at least be useful for it's something. It's really fun, though, being, like, working behind the scenes on the, like, uh, the... On a breakthrough technology, it's 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 really cool to be a part of something like that. You just want to see it succeed, and I have yet to see it succeed. I've worked on countless fuel cell applications for multiple companies: Stark State College, Lockheed Martin, LG, yeah. and Rolls Royce, um, Technology Management Incorporated. Uh, and I have yet to see one really go to market and just take off. Sounds like it's primed to succeed, though. It, it's know, it's just there. isn't that it doesn't work. It's that it's... It's there. It's the cost is the biggest factor, I think, right now. Because you can make it work. You can make it work great. But you have to use it with materials that are going to be cost effective. Right. And right now, I guess... to operate at elevated temperatures, you do platinum, silver. There's a lot of precious metals that go into those systems. So, we're, you know, doing a lot Some of these symbols. <laughs> there you go. But then you have to go and find out how they made them. You can't do that. So other than all that stuff, what else have you been doing lately? Anything like uh, do you hunting or fishing? Are you doing anything like that or anything outside? Or? Uh -uh. I haven't done anything. I've been working around the house. <laughs> and it never There's ends. a lot of stuff I want to do, and uh, I just finished putting a dishwasher in for the first time. It, we've yeah. never had one before, uh, yeah. so I had to cut the cabinets and reform. It sucks, don't it? I did one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's never it never ends. I mean, our house, right when we think, okay, we're 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 doing well, nope, now we gotta do this. Yeah, you know, it, our furnace broke the other day, oh, so I had time. to yeah. screw with it, and then I looked through the, the troubleshooting manual. It's like, well, it could be one of four things, and I'm like, oh, crap, and I have to further diagnose it. So Try you check your filter? Yeah, I checked so many different things for like three or four hours. It turns out I'm pretty sure the condensate pump failed. I, uh, I ended up okay. cleaning the line out and uh, just drained it into a bucket mm -hmm. and was able to get the furnace light up. Thank God, though, because the last thing I wanted to do was call a technician out. Oh, that's, it gets expensive. Oh, yeah. And most of the time, it's just stupid things. I mean, it's, they're simple systems. It's just figuring out how it works and then yeah, troubleshoot it. Figure out how to yeah. fix it. That's what I got to do every day. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I know we, we've been redoing our, like, you see the big hole. We were redoing our bathroom, and all of a sudden, I came down here, and it was, there's a leak. And oh. next thing I know, it wasn't a little leak. It was a big leak. And... It worked out because now, because we're reading electrical, 
we can run all of our electric straight down and then run it back up to the other side of the room wherever we want to. Uh -huh. So it ended up, it worked out all right, but it's just it's this way it is. It's never ending. You're always going to have something. Even when you try to fix something or make it better, something goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, I don't know, is there anything else you want to Is there anything you'd like to talk about, Wes, or add to it, or? I don't know that I can think of. Well, what I've been uh, following a lot lately is politics. Uh, a lot to say wow, on that, man. but I know we're not going to yeah. go on that. Honestly, I've given up on that. <laughs> <laughs> no. it, is, it is an interesting time period, but I don't know. I just, everyone's so heated, and it's just, oh, yeah, I've had enough. Yeah. I know it's definitely um, beating uh, beating everybody up in the country. Yeah, you can go left or right, don't matter which way you go. I was supposed to, you know, like I like I had no problem talking about, it, but you got to talk, and then maybe you talk to a Republican and you get a Democrat in the same room, and they can actually talk it out when you talk. But then you have somebody listening that you're like all these fuckers are all fucking wrong. I'm gonna get their fucking show canceled, like shit like that. So it's like. You, you walk a fine uh, line with anything like yeah, that. Yeah, religion you know? politics, I don't know. I really just don't even touch it. Cancel culture, yeah. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah that's big. Kind Especially in like the up. comedic world. You know, I listen to a lot of comedians and stuff like that, and that's like one of the main words they always use is cancel culture. A lot of these comedians that got canceled over stuff. But, yeah, there's just, there's a lot going on in the world right now. So, like, what's why we do this? Just to keep it simple and just have fun and be informative and bullshit, whatever. That's all it is. It's just to... Just to talk. Well, most importantly, just you know, talk about things that are important to you. Uh, try to make the world a better place and keep things moving forward, not the other way around. So yeah. So, well, thanks for coming on, and you know, we'll, we'll get you on here with Danny, and we'll it'll be more about fatal we'll method. Get the full but, band. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, Good luck with that. Oh, the full I'd like <laughs> to see the full band again. Because yeah, fatal method. There's been uh, yeah many different fatal methods with yeah, you and Danny really being the the core of the band. Yeah. yeah, even Tyler is in. I guess I've jammed with you guys before. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, we'll do it again for sure sometimes. Oh yeah, nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of BassCast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. See ya!